Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Data for Goalposts. Today we're going to cover off XG, find out what it is, as we've we've uh, kind of had quite a few questions from our listeners about what is XG, particularly from my dad. He's very confused yeah, about all of these all of this terminology. So I guess uh, we're going to throw it over to Monty first, who's going to give us a bit of a background as to what XG is. It'll be a good pub test for us um, if your dad understands XG at the end of this pod or not. Um, okay, so before I get into you know what XG actually is, I think um, as I always try to um, let's let's contextualize things. If you if, if you are a sports fan and watch things beyond football, let's say you're from the UK and you watch cricket or rugby, or you're from the States and you watch uh, baseball or American football, or you're from Australia and you watch um, AFL or rugby league, um, if you watch a sport other than football and football, um, it would be it would be very known to you or very obvious to you that football is actually a low event sport. Um, most football games at, at an average have about 1.5 goals. So that's not in terms of actual events recording and affecting the outcome uh, directly and irrefutably um, off the sport. Football has um, low events or low scores. Um, I'll put it that way because many events happen and let's not get into the statistical quagmire of what's an event and what's not. So um, because it is a low event sport, when people watch football, you may walk away from the game and say, um, oh, you know, my team, Chelsea, should have beaten West Ham um, because we had more of the ball or we took more shots and... um, and, and, and Sam may say, yeah, but, you know, my team's shots, even though lesser than your team's, were, were better shots because there were better chances or clearer chances. Those sort of pub discussions after a game um, have been going on for a long, long time. Um, in terms of data points from a game, the, the, the earliest recorded data points, even before companies like Opta, uh, became a thing were shots because um, from the start of football, everyone sort of knew that um, the, the the more you shoot, um, the more hypothetically that you have chances of scoring. Um, if you don't shoot at all in a game, uh, the chances of you actually scoring a goal or having a score that leads to the outcome of a game um, are quite minimal. At best, you may fluke an own goal because you passed into the box and someone shinned something um, the other way around. So in in, in terms of football um, data points, shots have been um, have been recorded for a long time. If you think about comparing that to something like baseball, baseball is a series of uh a ball and a bat um, uh, scenario that leads to multiple scoring outcomes uh, or cricket. Um, same thing, uh, a ball of balls, the ball, sometimes the ball is let go and nothing nothing happens, but other times uh, the ball is hit in, in a gap and there's one run or two runs or four runs or six runs. And 
the scores, usually a cumulative total of um, a lot of those scenarios playing out. That doesn't happen in football, which is why, going back to our two friends having the conversation in a pub uh, about um, how the game went, um, it's, it's, it's quite dissatisfying or um, we've all been in a scenario where it has been dissatisfying that, um, you know, you, you feel like your team um, had most of the chances or most of the ball or played really well and should have really won, but they were unlucky and did not. Um, uh, and we've also been in situations where it's the other way around, where you, you know very well and you're goading your West Ham friend that, ah, <laughs> you know, we got away with that and we got the points and you did not, even though you know that the team didn't really play well. XG or um, the advent of um, uh, any sort of football analytics um, or research into this field started to answer that question. Um, how can we actually um, give um, the underlying performance, not the actual result, because it's a low scoring, um, low scoring uh, game and probability or luck can, can skew things significantly, particularly over one game scenario. How can we actually measure underlying performance, not just go by what the scoreboard suggests? So going by what you said, XG is expected goals, right? How is XG calculated? So um, it, remember when I said that um, uh, the more you shoot, the, the higher the correlation of um, you scoring goals is. Well, as a counterpoint or to, to unpack that further, that's largely true over the stretch of a large sample size or a stretch of long, uh, not to use statistical terms, or the stretch of a season. Right, it, all the stretch of the season. Um, if you looked at uh, a league table of just shots taken and goals scored, there would be a strong correlation between teams that take um, more shots uh, uh, and, and and score more goals. I think um, roughly in a Premier League season, there are between eight thousand and twelve thousand shots taken over the course of all the games. Um, so, um, in in terms of um, in terms of how to um, look at things from a single game, we, we've all seen games where uh, one team um, has taken 15 shots, but um, a lot of them are, are, are shots into defenders or sh shots from way out in distance, and they don't seem like good chances. Um, and uh, the other team, they may have just taken two or three shots, um, but their counter attacking scenarios where all three of them, all two of them are just with a person and a goalkeeper. Um, in terms of measuring the underlying performance in, in those two scenarios, you may have the cumulative impact of those 15 shots that are not really great chances, creating a collective probability of scoring that's lower than just two chances or two shots where there's just one player and a goalkeeper in front of him um, uh, and, and and sometimes those games end up being two goals to the team that uh, only had two chances and zero goals to the other and sometimes the other way around so in terms of measuring underlying performance what expected goals does is it takes that short event 
um, uh, and it tries to calculate um, the probability of that shot becoming a goal or becoming a score based on uh, data across many years. And uh, just from the simple observant position, I was thinking that putting in simple words, XG is the likelihood of the goal that can be scored across all the different situations where the ball was exactly at that position, all those players, all the opponents were mm -hmm. exactly in those positions. And it's just the metric that can tell you what would be the percentage of the chances that will be converted to a goal. Let's say, for example, if we have, um, if we talk about the final game of Euro between Italy and England, Luke Shaw had a probability of 0.42 of XG, which means that in roughly half of the chances, like if we'll have 10 chances, then four of them, identical chances, will be converted to goals. So I think that's a really nice thing to think about this this way. And But another question that I have, I actually don't understand sometimes that I understand the concept, understand that you need to have a likelihood of the event and compare all the possible different events, just put them in the same bucket and see the probability, see the statistical probability. The problem that I don't understand is what kind of factors are you going to put in, right? And that's that's the biggest thing in XG. What are the other factors that will play plays the role? And if we talk about the Italy versus England game, we have the cumulative XGs um, vary from source to source. How can so, I tell that? Uh, Alan, this, this, again, this this comes back to um, the, the the algorithm question that um, or algorithm example that I was talking about. So let's say there's Friends as a TV show on Netflix and on Amazon Prime, right? And there's also, uh, what's it, How I Met Your Mother as a TV show, right? Both of them are sort of um, comedy TV shows that, are, that follow young people's lives um, based on me watching that, that those two shows on Netflix and on Amazon Prime, um, both the different streaming providers may recommend me different things because the information they factor into their algorithm is different. Similarly, um, in terms of XG, um, that there are different companies that collect different data points um, to come up with the overall probabilistic sum in terms of XG. So. To take Luke Shaw's example, let's say Luke Shaw is shooting from the left since he's a left back within the box. Um, some companies would be collecting information on how many players are around Luke Shaw. Uh, some companies will be collecting information on uh, whether Luke Shaw being a left back is shooting from his left foot or his right foot. Uh, and some companies may be also factoring in whether the goalkeeper is at the near post or the far post. So in terms of how they evaluate um, the probability of scoring from that spot um, as an average across years uh, and thousands of data points, um, the, the, the richer the, the in information set they are, they, they are using, the more accurate the probabilistic um, output of the model would be. Yeah, also just just like with any machine learning model, it's always just the, the quality of 
the people building it, the quality of, of right. the model yeah. that they choose, how often how often it's trained, how it, so it's just like like with any you know churn fraud detection, whatever kind of use case for for some kind of AI model, the 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 quality of it's going to and the output of it's going to vary based on who builds it. Like Monty said, a lot of it comes to data. Um, generally, more more data is better, but not not all the time. But the 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 volume of data, the quality, like and the breadth of it, like like Monty was saying, the more the more points you measure, the the the, the better the model is. And I think that's where the the arms the XG kind of arms race is coming in is that the amount of people that someone like Statsbomb is able to hire to analyze and to record more and more detail and and to have the funds and the the, the resources to do that is probably going to generate something that that's just a you know a more comprehensive model. So I think depending on the sources, they're going to have different number of people in you know contributing towards that. They're going to have different you know things that they think are important for that model in terms of the those data points and then they're gonna have different you know le- levels of quality and how they can actually process that model so there's going to be a whole bunch of things that are they're going to you know going towards a data science team and a model that's then going to contribute those of you who have done statistics may have heard this um there's, there's a great quote that um if if any statistical point um does does not surprise you at all. Uh, it, it may mean that all your biases have been input into that. So um, it's, it's likely flawed in terms of uh, a, a data point and it's more noise than signal. Um, if if it, it surprises you a lot and all the time, then that may be something wrong in the makeup of the model. Um, if it, the, the, the sort of uh, sweet spot is somewhere in between, right? So it should confirm some things that such as, you know, messy stats, if if they're really good, that's a that's a confirmation point that you know the model's working well because it confirms the eye test that Messi is a really good player. Um, uh, but at the same time, it should really also highlight things that you may not have observed in in terms of other players that you may not have heard of, you don't watch, or you're not looking at when when you're watching a football game. Makes sense. So it means that. Um we are on the rise of the whole statistical paradigm in football and we have different methodologies for XGs calculated and it would be interesting then to explore options on how to objectively validate which are of them are good and in what should we trust. So to summarize, an XG model takes into account what variables, distance to goal, angle, whether the play is on the weak or weaker or stronger foot. Where the ball uh, came from. At a minimum, the three things that Sam talked about. Um, uh, some some models are more mature than others. Um, particularly information around um, where players are located. Um, uh, as as we all know, watching football or playing football, if you're shooting and there are a lot of bodies between you and the goal. That, that may make things very difficult in terms of scoring. Um, but in 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 terms of actually gathering that information about where players are, that's really complex and that's really complicated. So companies like Statsbomb have figured out a way to doing that, uh, which makes their their XG, I guess, richer uh, or more complicated um, in terms of the output. But Sam, um, your summary is very accurate. Those those three things would be the main things. Um, in terms of where is the ball being shot from, uh, in terms of distance to goal, which 
which foot um, uh, and more than likely um, uh, where the ball was received from as well. So does it take into account the ability of the player? So would uh, would Messi have a higher XG than another player or are they all across the board? It, it, it does not. And this, this is a really... Um, uh, in, this is a really um, um, valuable distinction to talk about. When you look at XG, it's not player base. So Harry Kane shooting from the same spot as Gary Cahill should have the same XG because what you're not looking to do is rate players. What you're looking to do is over a large horizon or over a lot of information points, uh, average out the number uh, of to give you a probabilistic um, detail. Because even Messi, um, uh, as good as he is, um, from the same spot will sometimes miss a shot and sometimes get it in. Um, because of that, it's it's important to bear in mind that when you're looking at XG, it's it's an average of all the shots from the same point based on that model not player centric so is, is that is that why players who are considered better strikers tend to outperform their xg because they're essentially what they're just essentially outperforming what is the average at the time so if if you're you know you can go on a streak where maybe you're underperforming but but you can probably still be considered a striker but in the long run if you are outperforming your xg by and then by how much you're outperforming it is is how much you're then above the average I think it's a good question to ask, um, uh, Scott. I would reframe it as strikers who are better finishers rather than strikers who are better. Because um, if you think about, uh, again, football being a low-scoring game, what you really want is a striker who um, gets himself in more positions to score and thus has a higher cumulative XG total rather than someone who is necessarily outperforming XG uh, because we know that uh, outperforming XG over the long run is impossible, which is also why XG is a better predictive um, stat to look at than, than goals, right? Because goals sometimes go in, sometimes they don't. Just to use Sam's example, even though Aston Villa created a lot of good chances, the one that actually went in was a scuffy one from long distance or whatever the lower probability chance was. Uh, which what, what was it again, Sam? It was a header inside the six-yard box, but very strange angle from. from okay, the so difficult angle score from. Yeah. So yeah, so precisely that. So it, it, coaches, uh, particularly smart coaches, right? They know that um, process is is actually more important than outcome. So um, if you have strikers who are known to miss a lot of chances, like. Um, I guess Cavani is a good example of a recent striker who gets in really good positions, but um, we feel like when you're watching it, he's always missing chances. But the fact that he gets in those positions um, to score again and again, um, uh, over time, that's actually more valuable than him only getting that position once and definitely finishing it. Because um, uh, over time, the, the fact that he gets into those positions more often than not, um, it actually means he's more likely scoring more goals than just once a game. Yeah, I, I, and following on from that, I guess that's why XG is important, right? Because, like, so far we've talked about maybe like on a per game basis that what what it you know what it means in terms of maybe the narrative of that game. But 
if you're the team on the end of a what, what we were talking about where you may feel yourself unlucky because you had a higher XG and you didn't manage to you know score at all or you only scored one when the XG would suggest it's much much more the reason that it, it's still like you know so it's kind of like so what right so you've, you've basically told me that my team should have been better than they weren't it's like great like you know screw that like I, I, I could I could have told you that um, but the, I guess the reason that it's really important and kind of you're touching on it there Monty with with talking about strikers getting in positions is that it's a good indicator that you know game, game by game like with anything statistics based like individual events or individual occurrences even like per game and then a game as a total really don't you know converge towards the mean they don't really tell you the exact quality of, of what that you know what should be happening and you just need more and more events which is the course of a season so xg is then really an important indicator not to tell you that you were really unlucky that game and just to move on but that you should like like you said managers always say we can take credit for the performance or we can take positives from the performance there's actually a bit of meaning to that with xg in that over the long run if you are generating decent amount of xg you should start to revert towards the mean where the goals start to to, to become what the xg would suggest it is so that you know if you're if you're a pundit and you're analyzing your team should you be disheartened that your that your, your that your team's maybe not winning the games they should if the xg is high probably not if it's really low then yeah you've probably got something to worry about but it just it just means that you know you don't have to judge it like you said monty by the goals because that's not the overall the overall thing but the, your team in the long run if if the xg is any you know is is a good predictor of what it you know of of, of the, the outcome you should hope that your team should tend to revert towards that and so therefore if you are getting xg time and time again that's that's good and you should feel that your team's probably gonna gonna start to perform where you probably want them to a good example of that is brighton so uh you you say that over the season it can kind of uh ease out and, and so but uh, brighton had a very unlucky season last year where they had a a extremely high xg and they were beating beating teams in terms of quality of chances for most most games um and they didn't get the points that they really really kind of deserved or had within the within within their kind of game states and you compare that to this season where they've kind of greatly improved uh some of their finishing and i know this is only looking at like a five game kind of sample size but again they're they're I think if they win tomorrow, they go top of the Premier League. So, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty kind of interesting in terms of um, yeah. If you kind of keep kind of performing the way the way you are, then the, the results may come. And I guess from a from a kind of management perspective and from a from a chairman type of view, some I I, I know a couple of Brighton fans and uh, and. I know one of them was calling for Potter's head last season, and it's just like, okay, like you you need to need to calm calm in a little bit because, like the the stats the stats are good. He's 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 um showing good uh, response to 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 the way things are being played. Just just have faith and keep with it, and invariably it's kind of turned around this season, which is good. Yeah. I think I think mean reversion again is is a critical kind of term there. It's it because it, it's quite a, in in statistics terms it's quite a important term in the sense that you will get fluctuate in football. But, and again, because even thirty eight games is is really not that many over the course of a season. When you think about the type of 
statistics and models that that you know is is kind of going on in any any given day in in the you know in anything commercially it's sometimes you've got millions and billions and whatever data points so even 38 games really isn't that much but the reversion to means really important there because in stats that's that's generally what happens if you've got something that fluctuates um the, the, the stock market's always a key example if you've got something that fluctuates up and down there's always going to be a mean line that sits in in you know as, as like a trend line above and beyond you know above and below some of the some of the fluctuations and ups and downs but reverting to the mean means that eventually you will you know if you have a dip you'll you'll pick it up and that you will revert back to that mean line so like you said with brighton they were they were underneath their mean for sure because it suggests they should be much much higher and eventually now they are you know they are reverting to that they are performing what the models say they should be performing at which is which is really, really interesting I think um, as an overarching point, um, it is important to bear in mind that um, the longer time, the more the more predictive power XG has. So, so you guys have already uh, talked eloquently about uh, Brighton as a as a uh, as another example of uh, chair, chairman or director of football making decision based on XG. Uh, it's probably Liverpool hiring uh, Jurgen Klopp when when he was hired by Liverpool. Um, he was coming off his worst season um, uh, at Dortmund, and uh, if if I'm not mistaken, Scott uh, Liverpool actually let go of Brendan Rodgers um, to to hire Klopp. So even though Brendan um, was notionally doing an alright job, um, yeah. uh, they they saw an opportunity to hire an elite coach and hire him, and they weren't. Uh, if if you were just um, reacting to the headline results of who scored how many goals and where Dortmund ended up by nature of that, um, you will look at club season and go like, oh, this guy who has done well at Dortmund, maybe um, his, his his methods may be failing or he may be in pundit terms figured out, right? So he may not be a good manager anymore. But what Liverpool knew is um, what Dortmund uh, were were unfortunately victims of were was poor variance in terms of they are they were still playing really well but um, they were desperately unlucky over the course of the season enough times that their points had uh, uh, dropped off um, uh, and as such he was still an elite manager that was um, free and available to hire and well the the annals of time show that that was a really good decision um there's there's a great anecdote um in terms of uh this when when Klopp joined Liverpool um he he had um analysts um um telling him about games that he had in Dortmund and they, they were like yeah look looks like you know you you really hammered them um but um but you didn't win and he was like yeah you saw that game? Yeah, yeah. You know how excited we get. Yeah, yeah, we we had them. We had them. There's this chance. That's it. You saw that? And and they were basically like, no, we we didn't actually watch any of that. Um, basically, our our, our model uh, picked it up, so we flagged it to um, the the director of football, the scouts, etc., and then they watched it and validated it. Right. So this is yeah. where. Um, uh, instead of, and this is the contention that people usually have, that, oh, Monty, football is not played in Excel and spreadsheets. Um, it's not. Um, but what it can do is uh, because 
we we all um, do not have the time to watch every shot ever taken in the history of mankind to to actually compare what the game in front of us, um, the, the shots in that, uh, how, how good they are or not. Um, we have machine learning or models doing that for us to give us indicators of um, what the process is like. Yeah, I think what you said there just triggers, triggered me to think about something as well as what you were saying, like football's not played on spreadsheets, but I think it is interesting to see how football is maybe changing a little bit because of because of spreadsheets. Oh, I think there's, yeah. still, there's still like a lot of way to go. I think the, the, the main, obviously, like influence from XG would be in scout. And a lot of this kind of, a lot of the commercial drivers behind these stats comes from scouting and buying players rather than like in-game kind of stuff but i think a lot of the in-game stuff is now coming into play now where managers must be taking you know and, and you, see, you see it with with some of the data-driven clubs like brentford and and um and villa and stuff trying to use just trying to maximize chances right and kind of sam was, was saying it a bit before there's no reason why you can't just in very plain terms say to players long shot to lower xg therefore we need to if, if you think that you're too far out. You need to think of a way to maybe move the ball into a higher XG position before you shoot, because that that's a little bit more straightforward. It's like, why would you not want the shot that you got a better chance of scoring from? I think that's very relatable. But to that, you know, from a managerial, coaching, day to day point of view, there's there's things you can do with XG figures to say we should be looking to increase our, you know, our average. Let like, you know, if you had ten shots, there's going to be an average XG in amongst that. If it's really really low. You're yeah, you're taking shots from too far out. You need to find ways to to make that increase that XG. And I think what you know, so that that's one way they could use it. But also, yeah, in in terms of Brentford and Villa taking long throws, maximizing set pieces, any any opportunities. I think it, it's kind of taking a bit of the um, the the glamorization of certain goals out of it. In the sense of like, it doesn't matter how nice the goal looks. Let's let's if we can score from a throw because we can get it into the box and any header in the box has some, you know, XG associated with it. The flick on does as well. Why don't we just take that? So you see, you see the the data driven clubs clubs slowly changing the way they do a few things to start to maximise that. And I think that's yeah, that's um gonna you know that's only going to increase, and they'll find different ways to do that as well. I think to to a certain degree, um, even clubs that are not data driven have been influenced by this in general. Um, if if we if we all compare our football viewing experience um we are all uh near 30 or 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 just past that age and when we were growing up it was pretty common to see a lot of players shoot from distance quite often um and they were generally players renowned uh for doing that if you think about um the average distance short distance to goal um uh, across a league season now it is significantly shorter than it was 10 years ago and that, that that's mainly because um teams like man city for example with their famous cutback into a box and shot um have have steadily reduced their shot from uh, a shot in terms of distance to goal from I think it was 18.8 meters um, in 2015 to about 15.6 in the season that just passed. That may not seem a lot, but it's it's actually quite a bit uh, uh, in terms of getting a higher probabilistically. Um, uh, sorry, getting getting a higher probability of scoring goals. 
like for, for some like someone like me as a Liverpool fan watching Steven Gerrard thinking just some of the distance goals that he would have scored are just unbelievable and just just even thinking about taking those shots is just you know kind of mad in itself and these days I don't know like I don't know how that would I, I, I don't doubt that Steven Gerrard would still do quite well but I just don't think you see those type of goals as much anymore because because it makes sense. Like it, it's nice to see them, but it like why would you not want to? They, they are very low XG shots. So why why would you not be trying to reduce those and trying to do more of what City do and, and more of like stuff that's just a better better um you know a much better opportunity. So I I often think if it not that it's a bad thing, but if you know if Steven Gerrard was around more now, like would we see him do that many shots, or would coaches be trying to say to him, look, we we just we need to do this smarter, we need to be better, we need to increase our probabilities and whatnot. It's it's a kind of an interesting thought. You, you still do see those type of players. Ronaldo, for one, is someone that shoots with, from ridiculous positions with XG of like 0 0.2, 0 0.3. Um, and he's, he's either like one or the other. He's shooting from ridiculous positions outside the box, whereas like the majority of his goals that he does get are within... The, the the six yard box. So mm. and I know um, the the first like few weeks of his tenure at at Manchester United, every goal that he scored has been within the within the penalty box, and I think within the like within ten ten yards of uh, of the goal. So it's pretty kind of um, you still do get those type of players, but again, as you mentioned, Scott, not as many of them. It's. I would think if um, Steven Gerrard was being coached by a manager like Klopp or Pep, um, he would definitely be asked to shoot less. Because if you think, if you think about it, um, when you have the ball in that position, you have the uh, uh, well, you have the option to take a shot, pass forward, pass sideways, pass backwards as a set of options you have. So depending on the circumstance. Um, these managers, um, like Klopp, are quite detail-oriented uh, in terms of setting up the probability of, of scoring. Uh, Peps talks, talks about in his interviews and in his book that on an average it takes him uh, or his team nine passes to set up uh, a shooting opportunity. So uh, a lot of times when we're seeing Pep's teams um, passing side to side uh, or even backwards, what they're trying to do is play kind of chess on, on, on the field in terms of moving the opposition players to create gaps or to, for players to run into to receive the ball, to progress the ball and eventually take a shot. Yeah, I, I think what's interesting is like it's still, I mean, it's not like it's cut out long, you know, long range opportunities or people's willingness to take them by any stretch. Like we saw quite a few this weekend that that I think the long staff one for, for Newcastle was pretty epic. Like that was a, that was a good, like, 35-yard or whatever. And I think it still happens. And, and the way I like to think about it is, like, um, the, in economics, there's a thing called um, modern, I think it's portfolio theory, where you try and essentially create, like, if you're running a, a portfolio for some kind of fund, you try and weigh the whatever assets and whatever returns that you're going to get from those assets in a in a bucket of assets that you're managing. You essentially try and manage them so that it's it's not so balanced towards like really high risk assets, but it's also not super low risk assets because, you know, the return on low risk assets are, are, are low because it's, you know, that's just the, the, the way that you're calculating the risk. And so I like to think about it like that in the sense of you still need 
you, you want to generally fill up your like especially if you're let's say on the safer side you're going to fill up your assets of of you know lower lower risk which is your high xg shots the ones that are more likely to go in but you still need to have some high risk stuff in there in the sense that if you always go for those again it's 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 just not diversified in the sense of like you still if you just can't if you're not breaking a team down you still need that ability from game to game to score from from long range and just because that that might be the only option for you in, in in the course of that game or I think set piece is another one as well I think sometimes and I think Liverpool are quite good at this of maybe if we're not so good in open play like, like against Palace we were fine but Actually, all of our goals came from from set pieces. So I think that there there still has to be a lot of space for those types of efforts. And if you just, um, you know, they're higher risk, but you still need to allow the space for them because sometimes that's what you're going to need to rely upon, like just in that one that one moment, that one game where you really need it. So we've heard about like the good things about XG, but what is it not good at? As with any statistic. Um, it is imperfect um, and it doesn't describe everything you're looking to um, sort of figure out about a game. Um, if it did, then things would stop there. But the analytical community has uh, come up with several different new um, football statistical terms uh, that hopefully through this explainer series we'll unpack one by one. So in terms of XG, um, what it tells you about um, with, with the name, what it sort of leads you to think is um, expected goal, right? So when when Manolovsky or Ronaldo um, shoots from that distance, um, you, you sort of think to yourself, oh, you know, this is the probability of it becoming a goal. Um, so one sort of misinterpretation that we've tried to tackle through this pod is it's not player-based. So Malinovsky may actually be a really good long long shooter uh, because he gets a lot of power behind his, um, his shots uh, and he picks as Alan was saying, things uh, for the cool head in terms of when when are the right time to shoot, uh, possibly because he has a clear view of the goal or he knows that um, his his teammates are there for a tap-in if a goalkeeper saves his long shot. Um, so, they, so, so number one, XG is an average and is more... more um, important or, or or a better indicator over the longer term in terms of a single shot or a single game um, uh, averages are just that averages so it is entirely possible that a player um, who's not an average player who may be better at uh, shooting than average players or better at finishing than average players um, actually has a better likelihood or probability than what the xg model suggests because um, again, it is an average. So that's that's one thing in terms of its name and how it's often interpret, interpreted. Another sort of um, drawback of looking at XG is because it was the first sort of um, advanced football stat, um, people often confuse um, XG um, uh, with performance. Um, it could be an indicator of performance, uh, but it isn't, it shouldn't be viewed, um, at least in my view, um, as the sole in indicative or indicator of how a game went or how a team performed. Um, and here's why. We've all seen games or game situations where 
um, someone um, uh, someone created an opportunity by uh, passing between the lines and taking a lot of defenders out of play, or um, uh, someone um, someone beat uh, several defenders, uh, uh, dribbled, and was about to to score, and did that repeatedly, or ha- that ha- that exact scenario happened many times in a game uh, where a defense was carved open, but they didn't end up shooting for various reasons. Um, they were offside or they got tackled at the last minute um, or, or many other things. This doesn't mean that the, the creator uh, in particular who passed um, uh, to break the lines and, and, and take multiple defenders out of the play or dribble past multiple defenders um, is performing poorly. Uh, it, it isn't also this isn't to also say that um, the team in general, if they did that repeatedly, is performing poorly just because they had low XG. It simply means that for whatever reason, and could be the striker performing badly or not getting the right positions, or could be the opposition defense performing really well, um, there weren't that many shots taken. So a a big limitation of XG is that it's shot-based and shot-based only. Good example of that is yesterday West Ham uh, game. Lee, we we scored a, a goal which uh, happened to get a couple of deflections and then was was ended up being registered as, as an own goal that um, effectively was given as a zero uh, extra. So uh, even though we scored from from that and the XG was not registered within within the game that was uh, counted as a goal. I think another thing that Monty kind of touched on as well is the fact when when the defender, like if, if the, the opportunity, the creativity, the, the, the chance that was created is very, very good, but maybe the defender cuts it out or maybe that just before the actual shot gets played, every, everything up to that point was was indication of a good before, like a good performance, a good piece of creative work and a piece of threat. But the actual shot maybe didn't actually get underway because it was like if, if, if the striker maybe has a slightly bad touch or um, like whatever it might be, like maybe they had a decent touch, but the defender just managed to get get it out there. That's still in terms of performance, that's still very, very good. But because XG is not going to be able to register that because it wasn't a shot, that's then going to maybe mislead someone who's maybe looking at the actual performance of, of a team for whatever reason. Yeah, and uh, again, another good example of that was in the Euros when uh, Holland played uh, Czech Republic. They were they battered them for the first half hour, forty minutes. They had a couple of times which they were thrown goal, but they didn't end up didn't end up shooting. And you look at the XG after the game, and they had like zero point two for the whole game. You're like, what the hell, man? Like, how does that even work out? Yeah, so you do you do get those kind of strange kind of fluctuations, which is uh, interesting. Yeah, so it's 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 important to sort of stress, right, that it is an average and it is a shot based average, right? So it isn't the be all end all 
of uh, performance um, uh, data for a game or or how a game was played. Um, if, if you think about this in in sort of uh, a company terms, right? You just don't look at a company's revenue if you are um, investing in in publicly listed companies in the share market, um, and you also just don't look at their profit. You, you look at a, a, a a combination of factors in terms of um, how they're managing their costs, how they're growing their revenues, where are they growing their revenues, how 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 scalable that is, etc. And are they doing that in a profitable way? And sometimes, you know, it, it's accepted that uh, companies that are lost leaders like Uber can still be good companies to invest in because um, the, the the strategy is there for them to eventually capture a lot of market share and become really profitable. It's the same thing with football teams, just because they're not taking too many shots um, and as such not having too much XG. Um, that's not the only sort of be all end all of football because any football team, they have two objectives. One is to score goals and another is to not concede goals. Um, so a football team may be really good at uh, the other thing in terms of not allowing shots from from other um, uh, from from other teams or oppositions of various skill uh, in a very repeatable format. So Tuchel's Chelsea, in terms of how they ended last season, um, is a really good example of a well coached team and structure that had um, a good xG difference uh, in terms of. Um, the, the expected goals they've gathered and expected goals they've allowed um, uh, that allowed them to win a lot of games, but not that much by shooting a lot, and but more by not allowing others to shoot a lot. I guess we've, we've tackled a lot about uh, what XG is, how it came to be, and what its limitations are. On the point of um, it's not the be-all, end-all, through our explainer series, we'll be looking at um, other other stats or, or advanced stats of note that you may see floating around, like um, uh, expected assists and uh, expected threat, etc. Um, if you are interested in, in us unpacking what a particular statistic you have come across means, please do get in touch um, on our Twitter account. Um, that is Sam. Data for the four goalposts. As yeah. in number four. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we, yeah, we, we, we're quite uh, keen to uh, unpack this stuff for you guys. So as, as the season progresses and we actually analyze what's happening or what's happening of interest, um, uh, you're across what all of this means. Uh, in the next episode, we'll definitely let you know what Sam's dad thought about XG and if this made sense. <laughs> Thanks, Monty. And I'd also like to take this opportunity to uh, give a shout out to all of our fans listening in Malaysia. Woo! Yeah. 41st rated podcast in, uh, in Malaysia for soccer. Happy days. Probably out of 41, but there we go. <laughs> If you enjoyed this podcast please feel free to like comment and subscribe because there'll be many more where this came from to the guys <laughs>